and in this moment, I swear, we are infinite. Let's do this! Come on! Mounting! It's too damn hot for a penguin to be just walking around. Three, two, one, eagle! Are these two doctors? I'm afraid so. G'day guys, welcome back to the Valor Podcast. This is also probably, possibly going to be the Virtus Podcast, Loggy. Yeah? yeah? Double. Yes, double. So, uh, a bit of a bonus. I sort of just wrapped up season two um, of the Valor Podcast. And I think this week's got the whole state of Victoria in a, a shambles, in a disarray, that I had just felt compelled. Not that I'm a person... State is shaking. <laughs> Not that I'm a person of authority uh, at all to discuss this, but... I just needed a few level-headed people to sit down with and just chat it out in the hope that it will also help other people, especially people that are unsure or uncertain or a little bit persuaded or whatever, um, just to kind of sort all this mess out. Now, I'm not talking about COVID vax. I'm talking about the earthquake. Um, (laughs) Allegedly. Alleged earthquake. Uh, Allegedly. Yeah, no, so... I have Lockie Wallace, who's been on the Razor Bar Radio with me. He's been on the Valor Podcast with me, um, box owner in Mornington. Uh, give us a quick little spiel about yourself, mate. Mate, that's, that's all I need. I'm a, yeah, running Jimmy Mornington. Um, like everyone, I've been perplexed with the, uh, with the last week and a half and, and subsequent 18 months, but here to do good things with good people so really excited for uh for the majority to get double back so we can get back to drinking beers and lifting tin and doing the good stuff yeah and that's why i wanted you on i love your philosophy and stuff at your gym a lot of what you do at the gym inspires me at my gym Mate, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel if i'm the voice of reason <laughs> no uh legit i know you and i both have very common uh, ideas and beliefs about what a gym should be and how it should be and it's quite different to most sure. gyms um, and like you just said uh, doing good things with good people um, I think that's really important um, that's what this is all about and Josh Josh Reed Jones is fucking the best Instagram person love the logic he pretty much says everything that I want to say but just so much more eloquently like I just I, th- I think shit, I need to go back and relearn English. <laughs> it's hard, mate. You've got to catch up on a good 35 years of shit talking to, to tidy it all up. You know, I've got a little bit, I've got a good head start. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Josh, so of the, the Just Be Nice project, which, yeah, we chatted about in on Raise the Bar. Um, if anyone wants to learn a lot more, listen to that because... Again, you just explained it so well that I didn't even have questions. I just like just stared at you, just like in awe of how cool this concept is. Uh, but yeah, give us a quick little spiel. Um, like the other two uh, blokes here today, I also wear my own stuff on my clothing, so we're all in the we're all in the boat with our with our brands you know, plastered on our clothes. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Going to jump in. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Yeah, look, mate, I, I run the Just Be Nice project. Um, obviously, I, I had a gym for a long time. It was one of the COVID casualties was the gym. So um, I guess for me, it's uh, my whole life has been about uh, 
working to make sure people are housed, employed, have good mental health and, and improve that sort of equality of opportunity for people. And, you know, it's, it's uh, probably as relevant now as it's ever been, but it's getting a lot more attention, that sort of, that sort of concept and, and what good supports look like. So uh, I certainly have um, made an effort to try and communicate some things, I suppose, from the perspective of someone who's been paying attention to this for you know, decades as opposed to days and um, you know I guess that's why we're here today to have a bit of a have a bit of a yarn about it and see what we can uh, see what we can cover yeah absolutely um, I think having a yarn is probably the best way to describe what this chat will be we've kind of pinpointed some topics but it's just going to be a lot of back and forth and sharing ideas and stuff like that like we said we're not none of us are epidemiologists we're not doctors we're not nurses but we're the kind of people that spend a lot of time listening and I guess putting our trust and faith in the people that we probably should put our trust and faith in um, and we want to discuss all of that like we'll talk about we'll go over some basic stuff like why we even need lockdown and you know Melbourne's in the longest lockdown in the world apparently and that obviously hurts <laughs> can, can, I just, can I just say on that um, people have been saying that the whole time and then I think officially yesterday or whatever was the time we actually became the longest I'm like is anyone going to go back and delete every time? Like undo all the time? Like I'm not. I surely I'm. Yeah, I'm surely not the only person that's seen every like this post. All oh, the longest, the hardest, the longest, and then like officially yesterday or the day before it was like okay, officially now it's the longest. So I was like, what's going on with that? <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll go over some of that stuff and talk, talk about that. We'll talk about the vaccine and why it's needed and rah 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 and. Um, but I also want to like acknowledge and uh, discuss the hurt that everyone's feeling. Like we've just had some chaos riding all week and it's oh, I've never been so angry um, this week and we've all had some times of fury. Um, I think I used the word, um, language warning, I've used the word cunt online for I think the first time ever in text. And, and I, I instantly was like, oh shit, I hope I don't upset some of my members <laughs> with yeah. my language. Um, yeah, I was pretty furious. So we'll discuss that, we'll get into it. But before we go any further, uh, yeah, let's first, whoever wants to explain it probably best, um, we're in a big-ass lockdown again. Why do we need it? Why is it important? Let's clear it up. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the messages that I see um, bandied around by people who are understandably frustrated, but there, there's, a, there's a message from, I guess, what I would call agitators i don't want to say they have a point i feel like there are some people that are just out there agitating for the sake of agitating you know because it it gets attention they find the thing that's going to upset people that week and then they agitate on that point and then they move on to the next one and one one of the hallmarks of the agitators for me has been that they have been uh constantly saying that um and particularly in victoria there's this real animosity towards the dan andrews government from these agitators they want to point it at those people and and so you see them saying, Dan has been moving the goalposts. As we talk about lockdowns, they talk about moving the goalposts. And I really struggle with that because since March 2020, the messaging has been we're vaccinating our way out and that we're locking down to prevent the spread from getting out of control and it getting into an unvaccinated population, which is highly at risk of serious illness and death, which is preventable through the lockdowns and through vaccination program. That's been the plan since the beginning. And people have said lockdowns don't work because we've had to do them a few times. 
But that's like saying weightlifting doesn't work because you have to keep going back to maintain your strength and keep getting stronger. I've never, I've, I haven't understood that. So we locked down to give the uh, vaccination rollout a chance to get the uh, vaccination pop of the population up to 80% plus, And that's to stop it whipping around and causing unnecessary death and, and serious illness and then overwhelming the healthcare system. The thing that, that really winds me up about the agitators' rhetoric in that space is they are actually the ones who have moved the goalposts about what they're complaining about the whole time. It's been this, and then it's been this, and then it's been this. And I just can't imagine how frustrating it must be to get up and say, we're vaccinating our way out. We're going to do that. That's the way out since before we had the vaccines. And then we've had, a, we've had a terrible vaccine rollout. It's taken forever, and we didn't get them quick enough, and they weren't, we didn't get them ordered in by the feds and distributed and whatever. But uh, I think it's, at this point in time, it's pretty clear that it's, it's to protect unvaccinated populations from illness and death, and it's incredibly effective at doing that. Why don't a lot of people believe that and they like to compare it to flu statistics and, you know, people have confirmation bias and all these sorts of things and like to pick things to choose to suit their narrative and that. Like, you could come up with a million different ways, but, like, is it distrust in the government and politics, which, you know, everyone has reason to distrust pollies because they're fucking grubs, but... Yeah, like you come up with a million reasons, but why do people not believe this stuff? You know, you could find 20,000 papers that tell you that this is the way to go, but then there's one paper that says, no, like this, you know, they're, they're pulling the rug under the arm, like the Pfizer ex-CEO, blah, blah, blah. Like, why do people believe that one person? I think it's just a grass is greener on the other side scenario. Like, I was... And not great at stats, so let me. There's a precursor to that, but I was look. I was looking at the US death rate and comparing the populations. I think we'd be if if we followed there and and the, the death rate was reflective in the in per capita population size, we'd be at like fifty three thousand deaths or something along those lines. And you know, I think we're at maybe a little over a thousand nationwide. But can you just imagine the the hate and the fear mongering that are becoming from the same people? To, this, to the same people if that was the case and we were open and be like, why didn't we shut down? Why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do this? And I think they're damned, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Where if we went the other way, you'd deal with a whole lot of unnecessary deaths. There'd be a lot of secondary and third, third order consequences because of the healthcare system being overwhelmed and because of, um, because of the, you know, the extra spread and the extra cases and all these kind of things. So my view of it is just that these agitators, great way to put it, are going to be agitating regardless. You know, 18 months ago, they were banging on about something else. Um, I'm sure they were talking about keto or something else that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Crossfit but, or something. Uh, yeah, fuck, <laughs> silly, silly. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day, like, we need, and, and I guess it sucks, like, being in lockdown sucks. No one's pro-lockdown um, outside of doing what it needs to do. So introverts capacity, like lockdown, by the way, introverts, they yeah. like, yeah, I've got some friends. Man, some of my introverted yeah. friends are like, I just want to see people and I hate it. Yeah, I've got one friend who's like, I'm loving it. This is great. <laughs> I'm really, re I'm really regretting not playing PS5 or whatever it is that people play now. Cause I don't, I don't have that at all to just disappear into a game or anything like that. I'm still playing Mario Kart. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> but, but it sucks. So it's, it's really easy to sit here and go, well, this is rough. And you know, people have got more time on their hands, more, more time to, 
to chew through my shit posting and all the other crap that's out there and just to go down rabbit holes that because of work and social life and all the other good things that people usually do, they wouldn't have had the time and the energy to go down. People are going down there now and, and losing themselves. And I think it's important and it's brilliant to have to have Josh on here because I think your PSAs are just exactly, it's like the antidote to chaos. It's exactly what we need right now. Um, it, it's, cra- it's crazy that people say go down, it's crazy that people say go down rabbit holes, you know, because I think one of the one of the real symptoms to touch on what you were saying before, Stewie, about how how you can have this amazing body of verified data and then someone pulls out a, something that they think proves their point. And I think um, so much of that is actually not going down the hole at all. It's just it's just walking past holes and th- and looking at the top of them, looking at a headline. And the number of times that I've seen, and I don't spend much time on Facebook, I don't have it on my phone, and I, and I don't, I, I, can't, I just pop on every now and then to, you know, because everything just automatically posts there anyway, pretty much for me. But the number of times I've been on there and seen someone sharing articles that make the opposite point, if you read the article, to what they think it's making, um, is unbelievable. And these same people will scream and, at me for, you know, oh, you've been brainwashed by mainstream media or, or whatever. Um, and I've got a couple of great examples that I remember. One was the headline was Melbourne couple can't get back in, uh, can't, can't, aren't allowed to see their um, kid, uh, their baby in hospital. Melbourne couple aren't able to see their baby in hospital. And people were sharing it and they were like, see, this joint's a prison, dictator Dan, blah, blah, blah. So I read the article and it was a couple that were from Melbourne that were living in Doha that were trying to get into Brisbane. And it was the Palaszczuk government that wasn't letting them get to the hospital. But it's like, such an, infl- such an inflammatory headline. There was another one where the, one of the World Health Organization um, leadership team had said something about like, we don't think in you know, uh, lockdowns are necessary all the time. So people are saying, even the World Health Organization is saying lockdowns don't work. What they're saying is to protect the incredibly um, below the poverty line, to, to protect people below the poverty line in countries where they're quite large and there's populations everywhere. Yeah, full countrywide lockdowns don't make sense, but localised lockdowns, all the social distancing, vaccination, wash your hands, absolutely, we're absolutely about it. But to protect the livelihood of the most vulnerable economically in these countries, you shouldn't lock the whole country down because a lot of these people are living day to day, like subsistence living. And so the risk of them you know, uh, sort of falling well behind because of that is much higher. That's not the case here in Australia. And also we don't have countrywide lockdowns. We've had localised lockdowns. So people are posting this and saying, see, even the World Health Organization's backing out. It's like, they're not, mate. They're making the point that what we're doing here is actually what we should be doing. And that, again, we've got to vaccinate our way out, but we haven't had access to those vaccinations since the beginning. And I've got this, I've got a drafted, PSA because I understand these frustrations. Why trust the government? Like I understand mistrusting the government. I mean, the federal government has moved the goalposts quite literally a number of times, and there's plenty of people. You know, we're, oh, we're going to be fully vaccinated by October. Miss the mark. We're going to have all these things. We're the front of the line. We weren't the front of the line. All these kinds of things, just in relation to the vaccine rollout. But what reason do Australians have to distrust our healthcare system? Like if you were born here, this is the system that got you out safely, that made sure you're okay, that got us through primary school, where we've always known we can call an ambulance and end up in hospital and get looked after for our broken bones, for our flus, for our, you know, whatever it is, our bashed heads, our tetanus shots, our, you know, when we sh- sh- cut something off with a, with a saw at work. 
And that's there, that's been enduring for all of our entire lives. An incredibly effective, wonderful system. Don't trust the police, sure, I understand that. But why wouldn't you why wouldn't you trust a healthcare system that has shown up for you your whole life and made sure that you and everyone here has basically got, you know, world class access to healthcare? And if we look at other healthcare systems across the world, the NHS, another very trusted and, and experienced organisation, they're telling us to get the vaccine as well. So I don't know, I, I understand the mistrust of politicians, but I don't understand why you, and, and even pharmaceutical companies, but I don't understand why you would, why you would uh, dismiss the advice of a, of a health service that's done nothing but everything it can do to earn your trust your entire life. So that's where I'm kind of at the moment, like, Acknowledge the anxieties of these people and go, but these guys are telling you what we should do and I don't see why we shouldn't listen to them. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that's sort of what my message to people that are either on the fence or whatever has really started to become as my primary thing to sort of help people realise is like, I'm not doing this for me. I'm pretty healthy. If I get COVID, likely I'll be okay. Um, Likely the people I know closest to me will probably be okay too. But I've got members who are nurses that work in ICU, that work at Monash Clayton, that work at the, you know, paramedics and that. And they're so nervous about what's to come next because they know that even if we get, when we get to the percentage we need to get to, and then we sort of start opening the gates a bit, it's still going to get full, like pretty hardcore, pretty hectic for them. And I'm like, if I can ease the stress off them and make their day a bit better by just getting some jabs, like then I'm happy because I don't want those people who give more of themselves than probably almost any other person in this country um, for not really that great pay. <laughs> they, um, they're, they're, they're phenomenal. And if I can help them, then I'm happy. Absolutely. Um, there's, there's the selfless part of that conversation. Like, sure, the vaccine helps you, but it helps them. It helps the, you know, like we've got a couple of immunocompromised members that I... They're almost the they almost make the conversation really easy for us to open with fully vaxxed because it's like, well, I've got to keep these guys safe. And, you know, from them, our, our community. It it just fascinates me that, yeah, but it's my choice. Yeah, but you know, the, the whole personal liberty conversation I find fascinating because we sure we have personal liberties, but the flip side of liberty and what goes what is married with liberty is responsibility. We need to make sure that. With this liberty, we get responsibilities. The same why we why we don't drink and drive or have a car. And by the way, the last 18 months have been brilliant for analogies. It's been brilliant at just like linking things up. Yeah. If you like analogies, you've you've done well in the last 18 months. But you know, your apartheid um, PSA the other day. It's it's brilliant. It just links people don't draw those links. The people who are agitating and who are posting, you know, the the, the headlines aren't currently capable or able or don't have any desire to draw the links between the other the other rules and frameworks that we have within our lives to keep the society safe like it's effectively it's a it's an agreement between everyone that we don't drive on the wrong side of the road or that we don't you know oh you get your white card when you work on a job site yeah Yeah, this is exactly it it's like you know if i'm if i want to be a physiotherapist i go to uni and i and i get a degree like these are the really clear steps and outlines that are, that are part of our society that allow us to live safely and, you know, live effectively and live together harmoniously. <clears throat> and when someone breaks one of these rules, then there's consequences to that. But 
there's there's a, a lack of desire I feel for a, a chunk of our population to want to even have that conversation now. Whether yeah, it be vaccine, lockdown, masks. Can someone give me a nice convincing argument as to why this is not a human rights issue? It's more of a public health and safety issue. But can someone make that in a really clear and easy way to understand? I think that there there is a uh, reasonable amount of rolling anxiety as in the reasons can change. You know, the things that frustrate you can change. So a thing kicks off. We don't really know what's going on. We don't have a vaccine. So they pump heaps of money, get everyone working on it. Essentially just throw everything in the, on, the, on the planet at like, righto, this is a big deal. Let's sort this out. We've got some, we've got research over here. We've been doing, we've got work we've been doing, but let's just pump it in and, and get it done. So at the beginning, you've got this anxiety that's like, I don't know, like, has anyone got this before? And I actually, I actually can understand how if you're the first person to get it, you could be a bit like, all right, like, let's go, you know, like, I trust you, but okay, I'm the first one. Like, I think everyone can kind of sympathize a bit with that and go, all right, that's fair enough. And there's going to be people who, I mean, I've done way more reckless things in my life than you know, worry about something that's been through the hands of all of these experts. So, I mean, for me, I feel like it's disingenuous for me to be too worried, even if I was the first one. But I do understand there's an anxiety about something that's that's new to combat something that's new. So we've got this anxiety at the beginning. Then we have this secondary kind of strange anxiety where the government's saying we're vaccinating our way out and we had like however long where people like us, because we're all too young, we're like, okay, and they're like, we can't give it to you. And you're like, well, that's so annoying. You know, like it's so, that is so stupid. You're telling me here's the thing you need to do to get out and you can't do that thing. So then you're getting annoyed at that. And, and that frustration builds and it gives, it gives the agitators time to wind people up and be like, see, it's, you know, whatever, just to make people upset. But now we're at this point where there's been like 6 billion jabs administered. So the evidence now, the data, not the like handful of unverified anecdotes, the data is clear that the risk to reward ratio is a thousand percent on the side of be vaccinated. We've got the AB testing, we are lucky, lucky um, sort of, touched on it before, in the states where there's highly vaccinated populations with cases, of course, because COVID cases and hardly any deaths and no one, hardly any people in, in hospital. And then the unvaccinated populations where people are dying, children are dying, you know, adults are dying, people are dying all over the place. And you can see that immediately, like, it's safe, it's safer to be in a community that's highly vaccinated. And so when it comes to this public health discussion and this sort of, oh, I want to do what I want to do, we know enough about how dangerous COVID is. And I can't walk around and punch someone in the head. I can't get annoyed at Stuart punching me in the head. If he dies, I get in a lot of trouble. We call it a coward punch. It's horrible. We get in heaps of trouble. But if I breathed on Stu and killed him because I knowingly didn't take the thing that we know is a risk, then... What's the, what's the response to that? Stu's family just have to lump it. They have to be like, I guess someone breathed on him that didn't want to, you know, do the thing and that made it worse. And so you end up with this situation where what is your responsibility to that? Which I couldn't punch everyone on a tram, but I could infect a whole tram if I, if I coughed or whatever. I, I, can't, I can't do that. But I, if, there's no, if there's no way to deal with it, again, you've kind of got a reason to just be like, well, we don't have a responsibility to do anything because there's nothing that can be done. 
but you do have a responsibility. And if you knowingly uh, or willfully ignore that responsibility, then at some level, there's got to be some accountability for that. And I don't know at this point why you, why you would be that hesitant now. You know, unless you're just carrying your anxiety from 18 months over, which again, like it's not the same situation. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> on that, so and I, this, a lot of people ask this if they're healthy. Like if I'm healthy, like what's the point? And um, like how is that going to help others? And that's a question that rocks up a lot. And I know you've sort of answered it just then, but let's go over it. The, um, Lockie posted a really good, uh, the family guy, quick little <laughs> version. That, that was fantastic. Have you seen that, Josh? No, I haven't, no. Family no. guy did a quick little download of what's COVID and how, what the vax does and why it's safe. And it's, yep, it yep. just explains it so good. Um, if only Family Guy was a more like, you know, good source that, that people would <laughs> accept and, and peer review, uh, yeah, it would be yeah. great, but it was really good. So yeah, like to answer that question clearly, like how, is, how am I helping someone else um, by getting it when I'm really healthy? I am. Um... I've been, I posted one of something the other day and I think there, there were like four reasons on it and I'll probably butcher it, but, um, but the way I want, like breakthrough infections happen, right? You, you can get vaccinated and then get, get sick, but the, your massively decreased likelihood that you're actually going to get COVID. So there's first one tick, big win, less likely you're going to get it, less likely you're going to pass it on. Um, and if you do get it, the likelihood of you being hospitalized with severe illness is increase as well so so that eases the pressure uh, off the hospital decrease, um, so less likely going to put pressure on the hospital system less likely that you're going to need to go to hospital um you know you can just quarantine at home and look after yourself and likelihood you won't have to go to hospital um it gets cleared out of your system quicker it gets cleared out of your system quicker so you know whereas you might be um symptomatic or asymptomatic and um have the capacity to pass it on for I don't know how long the after it is, two or three weeks, it gets passed out of your system quicker and the, you have less viral load initially when you do get it, which limits how much you can pass it on. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's still possible to to get it when you're vaccinated, but if you get, don't get as sick and you, you're not going to spread it as much and, you know, every, everyone wins from it. It just blows my mind that that's it's still a still an argument, and people go, "Oh, well, that's not." I had a you know because I don't like arguing or having conversations on social media with people who are vehemently against any any conversation with it. But someone posted something the other day, and it was just along the lines of like, "If I can still get it, um, what's the point of me getting the vaccine when there's risks of getting the vaccine?" And I sent this article that I'd found that had all of the citations from Canada and the US and all of the, the re most recent data. And, and her response was something along the lines of, any facts can be twisted to suit a narrative. And I was just <laughs> like, well, good chat. We're obviously not going to, you know, we're not gonna be agreeing on the same thing here. And I think it was a Neil deGrasse Tyson line. It's just like, ask these people what evidence they're willing to see for them to um, accept that that might be truth. and if they say there isn't any, well, then there's no point talking to them. And I guess we're having this conversation today to talk to the people that, okay, well, I want to hear the evidence. I want to see the evidence. I'm willing to, you know, adjust my belief or my current um, current thoughts and feelings around something if I'm presented with great information. Yeah. 
I think the I'm healthy argument is such a redundant one. I've seen so many, like, and unfortunately, like, fitness people, like, oh, I can't believe how scared you are wearing a mask. Pal, you're scared of, you're scared of putting a, a mask on. What are you talking about? Like, I trust my immune system, but I can't, I can't breathe my own air. And, like, the number of people that I know have, have, I've seen at the snow wearing masks, like, shut up. What are you talking about? I don't understand. Like, you would wear a mask. You just want to walk around like, oh, I don't care. And, and then... I imagine some of them at least are making up reasons to try and get an exemption if they've even bothered to get one. But I heard this great analogy about vaccinated, unvaccinated people. And it was just like vaccinated people are like big wet logs and unvaccinated people are kindling. So when it rips through, yeah, big wet logs can catch fire. But if they're surrounded by big wet logs, it's really hard. Usually the fire peters out. If they're surrounded by kindling, it makes it worse. And it whips through kindling easily. So... If you are big and strong and healthy and you are in great nick and you think you've got a better chance of like battling COVID than, than processing a vaccine, like I don't know what to tell you, but you've got your, <laughs> you, you're, you're like, that's backwards. You know, like if you're, if you're big and strong, you'll also be able to deal with the vaccine. It'll be, it'll go through. Tell your body what this looks like. a boy, good job. Good work. Yeah, just, if you're so big and strong, just take it. <laughs> yeah. That's the immune system like. I trust my immune system. Well, I trust my immune system to pay attention to what's in the vaccine and to go, oh, sweet, now we yeah. know what to do. Give, give the vaccine a heads up, you know, give, you, give your immune system a heads up. Great. No worries. Like, cool. Do you think that's just like a bit of lack of understanding from people that they, they don't understand exactly how the immune system works and how the, even though that we've been told a million times over how these viruses were made and how they work and that, people either maybe refuse to listen or refuse to understand that that's the point of the of, of a vaccine just go watch family guy and we'll have it sorted and we can all carry on with our lives i also think like why are people so obsessed with understanding and we are quote unquote understanding everything they just, don't understand, you know? <laughs> yeah. just, just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not somehow they fire people into the into space i don't really understand all of that i know it happens you know like we pay people to understand things we don't understand. We, we, you know, what a blessing that people put their lives into this. Like the scientists that have developed all of these measures and work on these problems didn't just hear the, see COVID and then go, guess I better jump on Google and work out how to deal with this. They're like, mate, I've been doing this for 30 years. Okay, this is a variation and a thing and we've got to do this. And let's let's I, have a confession, I have a confession to make. I have absolutely no idea how an internal combustion engine works. Yeah. And I am about to jump in my car to go get lunch after this. And it's who me. knows what could happen. But if something goes wrong, I'm probably going to go to a mechanic to fix it. That's but right. Unfortunately, that's not, the, yeah. that's not the thought process for all of this stuff. I'm, to I'm totally comfortable with not understanding everything about everything. I'm also comfortable to lean on expertise. And I think if you expect anyone to listen to your expertise about anything ever, then you should extend that respect to other experts. And consensus and data are so much different to anecdote. The, the thing like, you know, again, touching on, on what Stewie said, I've asked a number of people this and they've said, no, they don't, they don't agree. And I go, I, like, okay, then that means we can't really have a chat about it. But like, do you think it's easier to get 50,000 highly qualified people to agree on something or do you think it's easier to have to get one person looking for a bit of attention to go off the reservation and go oh i don't think that i mean sort of logic tells you like it's a lot easier to get one person 
but they'll parade around the same one or two people, misquote them, misrepresent what they're saying. And half the time, if you again, if you just read the article, you're like, this person isn't even what you think this person is. You know, like, I don't know why you're listening to them. But, you know, that's that's something that if people's uh, expertise literacy is, is suffering, that we probably need to really focus on improving that as much as anything else, just in general, because when people don't trust experts in the fitness industry, people can, you know, scam people out of money in the supplement industry, people can scam people out of money, you know, snake oil salesmen can scam people out of money. I don't know, whatever business empowerment, whatever thing, you know, they can scam people out of money, like, because they just say, you know, you know, you get it, I'm here, I get it. And it's, and it's, it's a dangerous path to go down. Mm. But sorry, that's the thing. People aren't just turning their nose up at experts. They're turning their nose up at expert consensus. Like it's not, you know, it's like the, you know, ninety-seven percent of scientists believe wholeheartedly in climate change, but they'll just they'll go, oh yeah, but these three know something that the other ninety-seven percent don't. Um, like I, like I'm very lucky that I've got a lot of health professionals and doctors that are cl- like I'm close with, and one of my best mates is a, a doc up in Royal Melbourne, and you know pre. AstraZeneca being available to us, I called him and I was like, in 10 words, tell me whether if you were me, whether you get it or not. And he just, he said, low risk, but not no risk. But yes, I'd get it. And for me, not like he's been one of my best mates for years. It's a really easy follow up for me to have that one expert's opinion and then go and go and get it. Um, And obviously not everyone has that relationship with someone who's in that field but all of the the consensus follows that same thought process it's that this is safe this is you know yes do people die from vaccines yes but the 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 numbers are so so far skewed the other direction that it's it's not for me it's a no-brainer um and unfortunately, everyone else doesn't. Oh, a lot of other people. Well, m- most people do. I mean, most people, most people are getting. You know, that's and that's yeah, that's 50, all. Fifty percent doubled today, so that's a that's a that's a win. That's also. It's, I feel like that's also a letdown in that if it had happened quickly, then the people who were just hesitant didn't have to, and you know, didn't feel attacked because now people that have been hesitant from the beginning, but we haven't. Ha- we've only had access for a short period of time, but they've. They haven't had a chance to see their 15 closest mates get it and be fine and just chill out. If it had all happened quite quickly and maybe even prevent this lockdown and all this kind of stuff, then I don't think it would. the emotions would have run as high and then people wouldn't have dug their heels in as much and then people, you know, the agitators wouldn't have had as much to, you know, wind, wind people up about. And so there's also a bit of a failing in the speed of delivery. And you see that in the way that people talk to Dan Andrews. Like, the messaging was horrific. Of hearing the same stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, gets up at a press conference and he says the same thing every day and they get mad about it. It's like the plan doesn't change just because we're bored. Impressive. That consistency, that consistency is like hats off to him because it's hard job. enough just to rock up and train, train every day. Yeah, tell you what, there's, it's, um, you can tell why the, the Liberals on the other side um, in Victoria aren't really saying that much because they don't want his job right now. <laughs> no. no way. No one wants that job. And, and you, I would challenge anyone that's ragging on him, like, take his job. I dare you. I dare you. Because, <laughs> mate. Or just pretend I mean, to have his job. 
You'd be oh. tired after a week. Folks going to need ongoing counselling for decades after this. The idea that we that that things would be drastically different if it was a liberal government is just bonkers to me. Like, I guess yeah. You know, I mean, it'd be worse. We can see what happened in New South Wales. It would be worse. Look at look at look this at exactly. This, this is exactly it. But you know, for twelve months before we had that really clear example of why it would be worse, everyone everyone was pushing that pushing that narrative, but. Now that, you know, New South Wales, not going great at the moment. Um, and yes, we've been in, in lockdown a lot longer, but I feel as though, and, and I'm by no means a, an avid Dan Andrews supporter, but they haven't done a horrendous job. And yeah. a lot of people are going to be like, well, you're an idiot for saying that, but at the end of the day, it's a it's an impossible situation. I feel as though they've, they've made some horrible blunders along the way, but like you said before about goalposts moving the goalposts haven't haven't moved we've just done better when we know better each kind of step along the way yeah better systems have come in over time but uh, yeah no one's done this perfectly at all um everyone's situation is different everyone even like you know everyone's hospital system is different clearly the biggest issue that might be something to discuss in australia is the fact that we lack hospitals and icu beds and that's something that's not really getting spoken about so when something of a magnitude of this big happens we can't handle it and we can't look after it and that's a whole another discussion that we probably don't need to get into um but this is so you know this is another thing that drives me nuts the chief health officer's job is to is to comment on the system of health that we've got and they do they have all the p all the pts going why are they talking about health and diet? <laughs> they, no, it's in the reports it's, it's in, in their, their reports re every two years they say there's a lot of drinking there's a lot of this is wild health inequalities for poor people we need more resource we need this we need this this isn't new to these people and if you're in involved in the system if you work there like the anmf the nurses union the the doctors the hospitals they'll be like yeah we have been reporting and asking and doing these things but you know it requires it requires citizens to put their hands in their pockets for each other so another thing that you've got to make a sacrifice to do this thing you've got to have, you've got to advocate for things that don't affect you directly you've got to be politically engaged and literate enough to go don't vote in people who want to cut funding to hospitals and cut funding to schools and do those sorts of things which means you've got to pay attention for a while then you've got to pay attention to what they actually do and it's just so much easier to stand back and go, oh, this is, these guys are stupid. Where were these guys on this messaging? It's been around for ages. You just haven't seen it because you haven't paid attention because it hasn't affected you directly for however long. But there are literally people who do this every day for decades working on these things. Do you think we need like a rehash of that? Is it John F. Kennedy who said, ask not what uh, your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country? Is that kind of, does that message need to be like re-given re, re or? Or I feel like people like to throw that one around, but not just repurpose, repurpose that quote for the vaccine rollout. Like it's a really clear, yeah. what, can I do, what can I do right now? Like, you know, the three of us are probably more action driven than just talking rubbish. And the thing you can do right now is go out and get vaccinated. Like we're very quick to put our hand out and ask and say, I pay my taxes, rah, rah, rah. But the reality is we are in one of the most economically strong, gifted, phenomenally entitled countries in this entire world. We are so lucky. Us three, imagine being three white Australian men. Like this is like, it doesn't get any more lucky than yeah. us three and many of the people that ride it to, you know, we, we won the jackpot by being born as white Australian men. And I don't think it's a big ask to just 
to go, hey, how can I give back to this country? How can no. I give back to my community? How can I give back to my state? How can I give back to the people that are not as, as lucky as me to be you know, white Australian men? How can I give back to women, to the disabled, to the indigenous, to immuni, immune, I can't even say it. The people that can't- Immunocompromised, yeah. <laughs> how can I give back to all of them because I'm so lucky? If you are so strong and you are so healthy and it isn't a worry and you have such broad shoulders, use them to carry more people. Don't use them as an excuse to abrogate your responsibility to everybody else. Like it's a gift. Not everyone has it. Not everyone had the opportunity to develop that for whatever reason. And you know, if you have any respect for other people and consider that you would step up and do those things, I think it's very difficult to make a case to not do something that's that's been done six billion times like if if there was a flood these people walking around saying that they care about australia like would you wade through the water knowing that there's poo in there and all these things to try and you know get someone's cat or get some and try and get on the news of course you would and you're a huge risk of hepatitis or something oh it doesn't matter you know you gotta roll up your pants and get in and do it cool mate like there's like it's, it's super high risk you know if that happens all the time so if you if you want to do one of those like big hero moment things, if you think you'd step up and do that, you know, well, this is the simplest, like, it's too easiest, little, it's too simple, it's the easiest thing to do. And yeah, I think um, no, we, sh- we should give lollipops. They should give lollipops <laughs> of vaccination hubs, or like yeah, gold yeah. stars or something. I remember getting that. I think the first time I had my tetanus shot in prep, I still remember lining up into the school <laughs> office as we all lined up and got jabbed and medicined and lollied. It was. <laughs> no one complained then. Um, I think I watched. I was. I watched the Australian Dream finally the other week, um, and someone had sort of. It was obviously a comment on white Australia and and the indigenous and that. But what they said was that it's very often in Australia that um, us privileged white people we we want to the best for everyone. We want equality. We want to do all these things, but we don't want to have to sacrifice what we have in order to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've got a pretty tenuous relationship with particularly with Indigenous Australians. And and again, that comes to a little bit of that truth telling the ability to look yourself in the eye and say, where have we dropped the ball? And if you are, if you're unable to conceive of the advantages that you've been given because of the environment we're in, and you want to take all the responsibility for all the good things in your life yourself, it's very easy to tell other people they just need to do better themselves. Um, but if you pay attention to all the opportunities that you've been afforded, something that I constantly tell people, and it's a really important thing in my work because it's quite complicated to, it takes a long time to understand all the things and all the various ways that people are negatively impacted by inequalities and things. Is I just say, align your aspirations for the things that you want for the people you care the most about with everyone else that's just whatever you want for your daughter whatever you want for your mum just want it for everyone else and don't try and farm off extra for you the people you care about most and leave less over here just because we're supposed to care more and don't shy away from the fact that it, it could be involve some difficult conversations and a bit of hard work but if you align your aspiration, you say, what would you want for my daughter? Well, I'd want her to be safe. I wouldn't want someone to make her sick. I'd hate for her to end up in ICU. I'd hate for her to die, of course, from something that was preventable. And I want that for everybody else. So if I can contribute in some way to do that, then great. You know, And 
it's nice to be able to do things and think if there is a small risk or even a large risk, but I can help someone over here, I'd, I'd probably give it a crack and, and have a chance to prove that to yourself without needing to walk past a burning building. Because, uh, you know, touch wood, we don't want to send people into those to try and pull people and dogs out. But that's super high risk. And I think lots of people that are about personal responsibility and, you know, all that sort of stuff would still go, I think I'd run in and, or give it a crack. So, yeah, so, so where's the gap? Like, where's the gap between something that's really simple and really easy to do, like getting a vaccine? And obviously, those same people who aren't willing to do that are very likely to do that. Like, I'm sure if you got... I would like to think the vast majority of Australians, if there was someone in front of them needed help, they'd just they'd go and do it because that's what we do. That's you know, it, it is you know that's a sim- really simple thing you can do to help people. But why is there a gap between that? Is it because there's so much to like information and understanding to digest, or is it just because yeah, I don't know? What, why why do you think that is? Is it because it takes a little bit of that? I did this away if you're told to do it. I don't know. Like if you're told to do it, maybe you can't say I did this. Like for sure. You want the pat on the back? You want that? You want to post it on on social media? I fucking, yeah. You want that that little little ego stroker, the acknowledgement for doing the good thing, which so much better to do a good thing and we challenge our members yeah. sometimes to go do a good thing but not tell anybody don't tell anyone. tell anyone exactly we did it we did it last yeah. year it was the best i was like it's this is good deed day you can do anything you want you can just, just drop someone some yeah. food at the door you can go pay for someone's petrol you can do something but you're not allowed to tell a soul and people find it hard really hard and then after it we just digest it later and and go fuck that was really awesome that you know we did that and then if you can start keep doing that often over and over and do things without telling anyone um it makes you more humble it it gets rid of that need for people to acknowledge that you've done good things and it's it's just about being there for people being there for someone else and and then that person can feel good and then that person might go and do something for someone else and ah there there is maybe a concern i see from people sort of saying this is an overreach and that the government will uh is trying to take away your freedoms, generally speaking. But I don't think there's any merit in that argument, basically because there's precedent in pandemics. It's not normal. These are public health responses. They're not taking away your freedoms in this instance. Having said that, it's not to say that the government doesn't actively try and strip things away from you. I know that, again, there's also just a, a division of responsibility, power and opportunity between the state and federal governments. and. All of vitriol is pointed at the state government here in the media and from these people. A government that doesn't hold the majority of the levers that you should be concerned about most of the time, that was handed this responsibility as part of a national plan, that is following a national plan. But the federal government has done all kinds of things around um, communications and sort of being able to you know, look into your messages and you know, surveillance and counter-terrorism kind of legislation that... Absolutely, I think is, a, is if not a, a direct overreach, it is bordering on overreach and something that we should be concerned about. But this isn't the stuff that people are talking about. It's got nothing to do with the public health crisis that we're in the middle of now and trying to avoid. And again, that political literacy and being able to have those conversations and say, I get it, there's plenty to distrust. These are probably more of a concern. We've been given a number, we've been given a pathway, we've been given something to do. It's simple. Six billion times has been administered. People are okay. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're confusing 
in the messaging from the agitators, they're, they're mi mixing things together just to try and find the thing that makes you upset. So there's, there is this messaging that it's an overreach, but I don't think it is. And in the end, at the end of the day, you do have a choice, which you're welcome to, to choose. That choice does have some consequences and will keep you out of some places, but it's a choice. It's freely available. You can do it. And if you think vaccine passports are bad, wait to hear about how you can't get a vaccine. Uh, wait to hear about how you can't get, get a passport uh, for any reason except for where you just happened to be born. Like yeah. an, a literal passport. You can't even do anything about it. Try and get a passport yeah, in the US. Birth lottery, hey? Like that you couldn't have less to do with your actual passport. Like it's completely out of your control. It's completely out of your hands. And that passport will keep you out of countries. And it will keep you out of places. You can't go wherever you want and do whatever you want. And as is the case for you know uh, uh, people from Afghanistan, they can't just come here and settle, even though we should be settling them. We should be bringing over people. It's a nightmare. And that's got nothing to do with anything they have a choice about. It's just because they were born in a particular place, just like our actual passports are about how we were born in a particular well, maybe, place. Maybe because so. pass, passports came in after World War One, right? Maybe that's an overreach. Maybe we're fifty years fifty years late on that conversation. Yeah, and again, people have that conversation, but some people do think it's an overreach. Some people do think open borders is a is a good policy, you know. So, they're, but they're discussions that have nuance and take time to get through, and they don't lend themselves well to tweets, and they don't lend themselves well. <laughs> they, they they're contextual, and you have to you have to pull on certain things and go, okay, that's an issue, and I get that, and this is why that's you know more or less bad than you think it is, and uh, the internet doesn't facilitate those kinds of conversations very well, but it does really facilitate agitating really well. Mm. Um, well, let's quickly acknowledge that. I think the reason these people are agitators, we're calling them agitators, but the thing that we all share in common is the fact that we're all hurting. Would you yeah, agree? Yeah. yeah. And we're probably, we're all just expressing it differently. And that can be, you know, we, the reason we probably do that could be because of our background, because of how we're brought up, how we're educated, the industries we work in. I don't know if anyone's sat around in a tea room that you're not allowed to sit in at the moment, but like there's some wild conversations that go on in there. Um, but like, I don't know, just yarn with me. Why do people blame others when some don't? Why do people deflect responsibility? You know, not, I know you guys are, you know, pretty avid readers of stoicism. I wish I could just throw meditations to everybody and just go read this. I barely understood it. I got to read it a few more times over, but like, that's where my learning has come from to be able to go, okay, assess the situation, respond, don't react, rah, rah, rah. The, the, the shit that we all spiel off over and over, not everyone has the same learnings or the same environments and backgrounds. And it's not that easy to give everyone that same access to everything or people don't want to learn that sort of different stuff or know those different things. So how do we deal with people that are, hurting and reacting in ways that we wish they didn't why did they... got to the point of the conversation that's basically like let's ex try and explain the human condition in 10 minutes yeah let's not do that but like let's like <laughs> I, I want to acknowledge like oh, the fact that these people yeah, sure. the, the writers it's it's infuriating um but i can also empathize with them and understand that they're hurting like yeah, you yeah, could yeah. straight away back that, but that's that's universal it's like I, I did really like the analogy it's like we're not like we're not all in this together. We're all in a storm. We're all you know we're all in different boats. We're all in different you know we're all 
trying to survive in different ways. It's, it's such a hard one because I'm, I'm a big believer, and this might be my eternal optimism shining through, that when people know better, they do better. Um, but And also, we ha- I also believe that we have a responsibility to find ways to know better and to, you know, to explore and to try and understand and to try and critically think and all these kind of things. And, and I don't know... I don't know a better way for it, but obviously the social media is built around outrage and built around um, agitation and, and, you know, built around finding groups of people that believe what you believe already and just like, you know, doubling down on that. So I don't know if Mark Zuckerberg is listening, just change your algorithms. Let's just like promote kindness and compassion and goodness and shift shift the online conversation away from like what we don't have and what we can't do to how do we make the best with what we've got um yeah i think you i think you make a good point there people are looking for community in whatever form that it that it comes and that people get a sense of of belonging and purpose from having that but the the if you are an anxious person, if you are someone who is riddled with anxiety about the current circumstance, I ask those people to consider how constantly sharing chaotic, sky is falling rhetoric helps other people who are also similarly vulnerable. And if Stu came to me and said, mate, I am in pieces about my work and you know we're just we're just hanging in there and i don't know what's going on i said yeah mate it's a nightmare everything's gonna fall to pieces you know the world's falling apart like it's negligent it's negligent to have those kinds of conversations and if so if i'm just putting that out all the time and only sharing those things all the time people see that and it's and it's you have that same i think you have that same responsibility to the, the, the brilliant way that I'd heard it, and I've shared this plenty of times, is like to share your calm and not your chaos if you do care about the anxieties, the very real anxieties that people have. They're not improved yeah, yeah, yeah. by like a high temperature, chaotic discussion or screaming and yelling or throwing a tantrum. And so if that's what you're doing, I think people are co-opting the actual anxieties of people. There's always people just looking for a reason to spoiling for a fight and be to be disruptive for no real reason just they're angry and they want to have a go at something and for some reason they feel like it's a good idea to go and antagonize cops and desecrate the shrine and rip off windows on cars and we got we got there <laughs> for some for some reason stand on the westgate bridge and sing horses i don't even understand how that became part of the thing but legend so has it they're still going they, they just they just hit violent heads and they're just wrapping themselves around around until they get south oh, if i was braithwaite i'd be so upset He's part of the vaccination campaign. Like Daryl Braithwaite is literally part of the vaccination campaign. So it's funny how like how these things have been. Like that, you know, he's a part of the vaccination campaign, and then they've gone down to the shrine where it's like, which is a place of people who sacrifice, made the ultimate sacrifice for the benefit of the whole, and these guys are doing the opposite. It's like, <laughs> like it's, a, it's a it's a it's a wild time. Uh, mental the irony. irony. Just, on um. 
external the, the shrine conversation because we can bang on about that, how and frustrating that is for ages. Right. I like I love the question, is this useful? Like it's kind of been a mantra for me for the last 18 months is if I start thinking about something or watching something or reading something or talking about something, I try and keep coming back to that, is this useful? Is this helping me or others in some way, shape or form? And if it's not, let's just move on. Um, and I think, you know, just on the stoicism in the conversation, it's it's very much a self awareness piece. It's it's how do we know thyself and how do we understand what our triggers are, what our what helps us promote good th good things and promote our calm versus what are the what are the loops behavior loops we can get stuck in that promote chaos. And if we understand ourselves better, then it allows us to then bring that calm, bring that goodness to the rest of the world. Um, you mentioned. Meditations. I had it sitting in front of me, and while you were chatting before, Stuart, I just flicking through it. There we go. The page I'm up to at the moment is um, for anyone that wants to know. Book nine, number one. Nature designed rational beings for each other's sake to help, not harm one another, as they deserve. And I think that's just perfect. Like our job should be to help the people around us. And if what we're doing, what we're saying, what we're sharing isn't helpful and it isn't useful, then we shouldn't do it. Also, also like it's not, mom, yeah. it, it's not it's not diminish it's not diminishing the the fact that you can be mad still no you can, yeah you can still absolutely. be mad and frustrated and get angry but if i sit here and say guys yesterday let me tell you i was screaming and yelling in my apartment i was calling people names like to no one in particular i was voicing my frustrations and i and i say that i still got the chance to rant and rave i still got got it off my chest I got a chance to observe what was annoying me and driving me nuts. And then I got to relay a story to you guys that was yesterday I nearly lost my mind. You can still go, this is the fifth time this week you've told me you just raged for 20 minutes into your pillow or on the phone or whatever. That's so much more productive, so much better, so much less anxiety inducing for everyone else because they can go, oh God, I felt the same way than me getting on the internet <laughs> making a video of me screaming and yelling for 40 minutes, jumping in the comment section and screaming and yelling for 40 minutes, saying everything's, you know, I can, I could just relay that I felt that way and I got it off my chest before and I'm still kind of working out how to process it and we, and we can still go through all the necessary supports to make sure I get okay, but I haven't raised the temperature useful. of the conversation on the internet and wound everybody up. Like, it doesn't, it, you can, it's not saying you can't be frustrated, annoyed, concerned, scared, worried, whatever. It's just saying there's, there's much better ways to engage the world in that process and acknowledge it, do it, absolutely. I hope everyone has a couple of close friends or family members that allow them to rant to them offline. And then be honest about your experience. Guys, I nearly lost my mind last week. I was so annoyed. But that's so much different to actually losing my mind and that being the thing that I'm spreading in the world. And I think we need to be so much more cognizant of are we doing, are we having our tantrums in front of people or are we taking a moment to have a tantrum and then go, all right, there's some stuff that's come up there. We don't need to, I need to ask some questions. I need to talk to some people about it. Absolutely. We teach our kids not to throw tantrums. Um, yet, who would be in the lead at the moment? Grown up. And we, and we, t and we teach our kids to, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah, so just be nice. Be nice and all those things. So no, absolutely brilliant message. Um, one of the last things, because I know we've got to wrap it up soon. I'm going to ask about, you know, we've all got friends or loved ones or whoever that either they're unsure or they've really gone into the conspiracy world or whatever. Like I know I've got this lovely couple. I absolutely adore them. They're such kind people. 
but they've gone in a direction where they you know are severely convinced that the government is lying and there's a lot of you know untruths going on and things like that and and they've sh and she shared me you know information and videos and articles and stuff and she's done it more genuinely to help me because she's concerned for me who's going to go get the vaccine because she's convinced that it's dangerous um i've not really responded too much about it because i don't want to get into an argument because i absolutely love it um how do we talk with one another without just saying just be nice but because it's very easy to get into an argument with someone that you love who you know in my opinion just doesn't understand isn't educated about the situation yet and they're still firing up but they think that they're right so how do i not have an argument with someone and just try my best to help them understand that like they're going to be okay and that this is important my advice is always to err on the side of keeping the conversation going rather than winning the conversation. So I, I know people that have views or do things I don't agree with, but I also know if I called them up and was like, mate, I'm in a, I'm in a bind, can you come, they'd drop everything and come give me a hand. And I realise that there is a tension there, obviously, like we've said, you know, they'll wade into the river full of poo to grab a cat, but they won't go and do this thing, which is infinitely safer and less, you know. But if I just shut the door on them then that's ne then there's no chance of bringing them around and if you believe you're correct which i believe we're on we're going to be on the right side of history i have like no problems with that at all if you're wrong what are you going to do well the thing is like later on we've planted the flag so people can come back like it's one of the one of the things i love about what i do is i don't have to go back and edit my past i don't have to go and delete things it's all it stands the test of time because i take the time to think about it yeah you know? no. and so Later on, if you were, you know, not that great with these people, then even if they want to engage the conversation, you go, okay, you'd said this stuff. I'm, where'd you get that from? And you go, okay, well, this came from here and this is what happened here. And you've got to leave, if you leave the door open, but if you're going to do that and you're going to keep the conversation going, you also have to protect your energy. So you like your emotional energy a little bit and not keep it going around other stuff. Let them know, look, I care about you and I'm here. I'm going to do this. You do your thing. I'm around. You know, if you want to have a chat about it, it's incredibly frustrating how much effort you have to put into debunking stuff that people can just say with reckless abandon. You know, oh, did you hear the vaccine kills? Uh, pretty much everyone. So, see you later. And then now I've got to go and get all the information that says that's not the case because some person over here, some unverified, you know, not on the hook person has just said this and you've seen it and thought, this guy's a truth teller. So... You just keep the conversation going. You try and keep the temperature low, keep it calm. And I think that's the way to deal with those people who need more time. Gen genuinely, if you treat them like people who need more time rather than people that are wrong, like and will be wrong forever, it's a little bit easier to just endure. But at the same time, don't go all in trying to work it out on the spot and have these 65 million message conversations. It's not going to happen then and there. Because you've got to find you've got to find the stuff you agree on. You've got to start the stuff you agree with the stuff you agree on and work from there. And if they go, oh, so many people are like, well, if that's the data you're listening to, I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what data you're listening to. So if we you've can't even agree on that bit, seven news. we can't start there, then okay, that's fine. We don't have to talk about that. You know, we can talk about something else. Yeah, but. sometimes it becomes a bit of a, a link war, doesn't it? You just send links back and forward to each other of an argument. And you, <laughs> well, yeah, you've got this and you haven't actually read what they've... It's not, not getting anywhere. It's not going to help each other. 
At one all. thing one thing I've found with agitated conversations is it's actually incredibly difficult to keep them on any one track until you get to the end of it anyway. So you, they go, everyone dies from the vaccine. You go, well, they don't. Here's the thing. They go, well, anyway, do you know about pedophiles? You know, what's that got to do with anything? So anyway, and then also, did you see this woman? She got the vaccine and now she's brain dead. And you're like, that's also been debunked. That's another thing. So, well, I heard. And also, kids can't even go to playgrounds and that's ridiculous. And you're like, well, they, they, they can go to playgrounds again. And they're like, well, why couldn't they for a bit? And it's like, okay, there's 16 totally separate things that have nothing to do with each other. But that's also part of the strategy of the agitators. You know, what about the kids? What about the government? What about the new world order? What about pedophiles? What about big pharma? What about the, and it's like, yeah, it, it would take us half a day to unpick each one of those things and, and get to the end of it. But yeah. if you're just going to argue my vaccines are safe argument with what about pedophiles, how are we going to get anywhere in that conversation? Yeah, it was really sad the other day. You heard a, a tradie took his life on site the other day and people were really quick to politicise it and jump on and go, see, lockdowns, see, they've lost their jobs. And you're like, wow, man, like, that's really unfair. That what, 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 are so multifaceted that you, there's no way, like, you know, yeah, it is gross as a brilliant word for it. Yeah, it was really gross. Like, you know, what, what this guy's gone through, who knows the kind of crisis that he's been going through. Or the people, you know, even if, if you're sitting around people that have been saying that the sky is falling every day and then he starts to go, well, what about my future? It sounds like I don't have a future. And then all of a sudden this last thing happens and his work gets taken away for two weeks. And then the people he's working with are possibly saying, see, F this, F that. You know, you, you just can't blame that one thing it's really unfair um and you know especially to it's, it's such a tragic thing to happen it's it's not right to just use that to prove your point just so you can be right and just be it's so really so gleefully sharing it like see it's like that is so gross it makes me want to throw up it's not nice it's really <laughs> no it's and and if, if it does start to become a point of i'm just doing it just because I want to be right, well, then you're not doing it for anyone else. You're just doing it for yourself and your own ego, and that's really not helping anybody. Yeah, and who does it help? Who feels better after after that? After you know having to read and a no context individual experience like that, it doesn't do anything. I, I, I say in our work all the time, and when, when we're in vulnerable communities, we're working with vulnerable people. Happy and sad isn't the measure of good mental health. Because happiness and sadness is going to happen. And we've got so many reasons to be frustrated and tired and over it at the moment. And that's actually a good thing. Because if you've got reasons to feel a bit crappy, then there's ways out that you can see. Like, well, when we get out, we can have beers and we can see our families, we do these things. Like, that's going to alleviate a lot of that stress. But the thing that we always look at is uh, we use a scale of agency to despair. And this was something I developed because I just saw the inadequacies in how people were triaging these issues like in the community someone feels like they've got agency like there's a point to what they're doing then generally they're pretty good there's something you can do you feel the point of it you can get on with it if you're despairing and you don't see the point of doing anything or why you're here or what's going on you're like highly at risk of high risk behaviors and that's why you can have someone who looks like they're having a tough time maybe living under a bridge rough sleeping and they're like well if i do this i'll be okay i'll get this and they've got a sense of agency that people sometimes in really uh, resource-rich environments, like in a say a, a private school kid who's like, doesn't matter what I do, parents aren't going to be happy. I'm never going to be enough. I'm never going to get here. There's no point doing this. I don't see the point. That that kid is a much higher risk of a high-risk 
behavior than the guy under the bridge, even though if you just looked at him, you would think that seems silly because we've let, let him get to a place where he's despairing. Well, what kind of messages encourage despair? Not happiness or sadness, but make people feel like, what's the point? And there has been nothing in the messaging from the government, both governments, really, that has pointed towards despair. It's, it's pointed towards delay, frustration, you know, uncertainty, of course. But it's always been like, there's a way out. We're on the path. We're going to get there. Let's do it. The people who are promoting this despair na- like you know, narrative, and I hate using the word narrative because they these people use it all the time, but, but that despair narrative, that is so incredibly dangerous for people and so incredibly detrimental to the mental health of communities and individuals, particularly who are already vulnerable. So happy, sad, is, an, is their natural conversations. These are the conversations we should be encouraging and having. Where you at? How are you feeling? Frustrated, tired, chitty, whatever. Okay, great, wonderful. How are you feeling? Everything's pointless. What's the point? Everything's, everyone's against us. We're never going to get anything. We're never going to get anywhere. Literally the worst possible messaging you can share. And so if, if, if people are auditing their own conversations, agency is always the answer. And the great thing about the vaccines is, is agency there. Make the choice. You get the choice. You don't have to despair. Things will change. The reason that the master builders and the unions have come out and said we're doing it is to keep the industry open, not to close it. So there's a choice there. Most people are on board. We've already seen it in the well, first doses are almost at 80% anyway. So we're miles, massively in the majority of people who are keen to do it. So there is a, there is a way forward. There is opportunity. We have agency in this situation. It is frustrating and taking too long. But don't share this despair information all the time because it is that is the most dangerous kind of messaging for anyone who is already on the edge vulnerable anxious whatever and so that's something that i think people don't get put to account to and held to account to enough on the internet in particular because it's disgusting behavior when that's the that's how people are portraying things yeah sure i think if everyone can take have the capacity to take responsibility for like we talk about like we are what we eat right we are what we what we consume both from a food hydration and uh, in information perspective. Um, and we are what we do. So if we allow ourselves to go down that route, then we're probably going to end up, you know, in the despair and the doom scrolling and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and make sure you're not listening to people who are complaining about stuff that hasn't happened. There's a lot of that in the, in the, in the, in the sort of people that want to wind up people, those agitators, there's a lot of, and guys, when this happens, oh, I heard this is going to happen. Oh, this is going down. Oh, in the, this is going to happen. If it's not happening, if it's not on, if it's not on the table, if you've got a, a petition whipping around for legislation that's not even being tabled, shush, just shush. Stop screaming about stuff that's not happening. One of the worst things I, I hate hearing is uh, a lot of the older generation say it is uh, we're going to be paying for this for decades. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, like... It's not. That's a real doom thing to say, and it doesn't put a lot of a lot of hope in young people when you say that. You know, they just think, "Oh, I'm going to be all my money's going to tax. I'm going to have no job prospects. Everything like like you said, what's the point?" It's really something people should not say, especially when tell you what the economy is actually doing quite well, considering the situation. So it, it's really not a nice or not a helpful or a useful thing to put out there. 
we've we've been paying for the GFC and that didn't save anyone's life. So shush, you know, get a grip. I think we need to just sometimes you need to sort of just forget about the economy sometimes and all that and just think about people and let's yeah, just focus yeah. on people. If we can all do the good things for good people, then we're going to be like... Yeah, advocate for looking after people, 100%. Get up the government for yanking JobKeeper, JobSeeker. Get up them for not doing a good job there. Hold them to account in the next election. Absolutely. Again, that's a federal responsibility. It's not a, it's not a political message from me who's got skin in the game either way. I don't. I don't have skin in the game either way. But... The feds have let us down time and time again, and I'm tired of seeing the messaging pointed solely at the state government, who's made some mistakes. Like, I cannot believe how long it took to get the bloody QR code thing for the state. What on earth were they doing? Like, get on with it. No, but we've all still got that COVID app on our phone, don't we? <laughs> but, they, but there are responsibilities. There are federal responsibilities, and they have dropped the ball and just been quiet so many times, and people are still here screaming at the, at the, at the government that's doing the thing it said it was going to do the whole time. And I find that quite frustrating as well because, of course, they're not going to listen to your random rantings because they've told you what they're going to do. They've been doing it the whole time. If you want JobKeeper, that, you're yelling at the wrong person. If you want better support, you're yelling in the wrong direction. And a political movement that advocated for better help for people might actually have some effect, but you've got to point it at the people who actually make that decision. Go yell at the treasurer. He's in Hawthorne. You know, if you're going to go yell at someone, yell at the bloke who literally controls the money for the whole country. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's finish it off. What's one thing or a few things you can do for yourself to cope, to feel better to help another person to whatever what's a few good things you can do like we're in lockdown again what's been helping you what do you suggest people do uh, for me it's pretty simple and it probably isn't anything different to what i do outside which i think is why it works so well is journal daily i try and catch up with a friend every day or two to go for a walk because there's the vent that doesn't get on social media it doesn't need to go on there um i think it's to be able to critically analyze all the pieces of information that get shoved in front of your face. Um, you do those three things and focus on what you can control versus, you know, not, not ignoring, but acknowledging what you can't control and, and accepting it. And, you know, things will be fine. Like I don't like lockdowns. I don't like being in this position, but I feel as though I'm in a position and I'm very lucky, like big, big birth lottery part of that. But I'm in a position where I could do this for the next five years if we needed to. I don't want to, so don't get me wrong. But I feel as though those three or four things are what give, what will continue to give you the capacity to put my best foot forward, regardless of what happens. Get a lot of time to read books. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, Josh, what have you got? Uh, I think uh, acknowledge your frustrations. You don't have to swallow them. Um, for a little sort of pithy little thing that I did, which was part of my venting, I just wrote, I was like really annoyed at all the stuff I couldn't do. I think I was frustrated at a lot of stuff. And I just was like, I'm going to write it down because I think it's important to vent. And I just wrote down the stuff I can't do. And I just wrote this list. And I looked at the list and it was pretty long because we can't do much. And I was like, yeah, that's so annoying. And I was furiously scribbling. And then I looked at it and then I just... I literally just crossed the top of it out and then I just wrote stuff I'm looking forward to instead of stuff I can't do. And that just kind of changed the whole vibe of it. And then I looked at and then I looked at the list and so much of it was just like people stuff. So, you know, have a beer with my mate in the dove. And I thought, I haven't spoken to the doves in 
two weeks. I'll just give him a call. You know what I mean? Like I had this list of stuff and you can't do the A grade version, but you can do like the D grade celebrity version of some of these things. Have a face beer, watch the footy with your mate on your phone here. You know, like send a text, go for a walk, you know, go for a run or, you know, do some push-ups if you can't get to the gym. Um, we're all probably pretty fortunate with the gym set up ourselves. But for, you know, do the do the the Z grade version and know that yeah, it's like going to get you maybe 60% of the way there, but it's something. And just having that list and having the knowing that people were such a big part of it and then just checking in with them and, and putting in that effort instead of sitting at home like, we can't have a beer with him. And then just be like, just call him, bro. Like, have a chat. So doing those things, I think, it's kind of like one of those, we're really getting to the pointy end of just do the things that make you feel good now. Like, we're out of, we're out of it. We're, out of this. we're running out of ideas. We've been doing this for a long time, but... That sort of thing, you know, that really, that's, that helped me at least for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, no, I'm similar. Um, I always just try to uh, acknowledge, um, yeah, acknowledge my frustration and kind of, yeah, vent privately a little bit first. Think about what I say to people and, or post or stuff like that, especially because sometimes you post something and regret it. Um, you look like an idiot. Um, yeah, walk walk so many walks, walk, get outside, get fresh air, but take it all in as well. Don't just walk with your head on, in, in your phone, you know, go look outside and you know, the stuff you actually do get to see and experience along the way. Like I love seeing, you know, Lockie gets out and he's always put, puts up a quick picture of the bay and you get to see the water and the waves and I just love it. And so pretty. Where I live, where I live, there's kangaroos, there's bandicoots, you know, every now and then there's some real, like, and I just love seeing that nature and that, and that really, just grounds you a little bit and helps you just remember that you know there are you know some of these things you know like Josh said that you're worrying about they're not that big of a deal and you can do different diversions of them and and they will come back eventually but most of the things that you need you've you've got them and you're going to be okay um that's it from me that's enough to help people <laughs> yeah yeah that's it we've all we've all heard a lot of tips at this point in time but <laughs> it, it yeah just oh, actually the last thing is don't keep trying to set a date for when we'll be out of this or whatever. <laughs> like, like, just acknowledge that this is you, this is your life, and this is how it's going to continue to be for an undetermined. Pre- like, there's no, there's, there's no timeline here. Probably think it's going to be longer than it's actually going to be, and then you can sort of cope a lot better. Like, I'm kind of enjoying it now. Like, I'm almost like, oh shit, we're going to work. Like, how am I going to manage all this? This is going to be hard. Um, I find so many things that I can do and I'm loving doing so many different things I can do at home and all around. Uh, but I think when you'd say, oh, maybe we'll be out by October and then it doesn't happen, yeah, you, yeah. Do, you despair a bit. Maybe we'll be out by Christmas. And anyone that's read um, Man's Search for Meaning, <laughs> Victor Frankl, like he talked about that in, in the, um, during the Holocaust, if they, the, the, the amount of deaths that happened after Christmas in Auschwitz was like significant just because of the despair because they went maybe we'll be out by Christmas and then because they weren't out by Christmas they just like they despaired and they gave up um, and that's right now you go into some some dark depression when you think you're going out on September 23 and then they tell you the restrictions have not really changed even though you're expecting them not to change you just oh you despair yeah, yeah. oh my god when do I get, it's like just focus on what you do have, which is a lot, which is plenty, which is more than most people that even when they're not in lockdown, they don't have the things that we have. Um, check your privilege, check your entitlement. I think if you want a real hero move as well is to plan to keep the, the good vibes and appreciation when we get out 
going as long as possible because the the great analogy is from a runner where, where like when you're running into a headwind you spend the whole time swearing at the headwind and then you, you when you turn around the pin and you're coming back you appreciate the tailwind for about 12 seconds and then you just carry on like but you've spent 40 minutes into a headwind swearing at it you turn around you get the tailwind and you forget about it in 10 seconds and i just think if we you know if you want to make a commitment to do some hero moves it's keep everyone appreciating stuff when we finally get the tailwind when we get out so that we don't all get out you know really appreciate it for three days and then go oh yeah anyway back to normal gonna find some other stuff to complain about i think that's something we can try and prepare ourselves for ahead of time as well absolutely yeah yeah if you just if you all have it now it's a copper mate and tell them you love them don't stop doing that exactly yeah 100 percent. keep doing it keep doing all those good things that you've learned along the way um even when things are a little more normal anything left to add boys we're good thanks, thanks Dave. Dave. last one get the jab <laughs> go chat to your GP don't listen to Facebook go chat to your GP if you're not sure fair enough if you're not sure but go chat to your a doctor if you've knows. got lots of really strong arguments against getting the vax go to your GP and present them to your GP and debate with him or her and then see what happens they're not paid by Big Pharma they're not this isn't this isn't the states the prices are negotiated by the government they have nothing to do with it it's with the vaccines are ordered there's no no gain from the from a GP they're not on the hook they they spend their whole life training to look after you they care about you go talk to the GP it is funny when people use the argument of Big Pharma in Australia I'm like hold on a second it's a whole different kettle of fish in uh, in the states I'm just I'm just worried about the fact that Richter scales are paid for by big earthquakes. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was yeah, yeah, that was that was an entertaining thirty seconds, wasn't it? Um, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's the end of the podcast. That's it. Boom. Done. Uh, <laughs> as as uh, I don't know if you listen to it, as Dylan Friend says, uh, it's been an honour and a privilege to have you boys on. Thank you so much for chatting me. I feel great just for chat talking that out with some reasonable humans um thanks for having me mate i appreciate it thanks guys always pleasure. a pleasure to have Absolutely. a good yarn and all uh i don't know yarn again in the future hopefully around the table with a few pots that'll be good yes please absolutely thank you very much for listening to the valor fitness nutrition mind podcast my name is Stuart cunningham if you enjoyed the episode please send us a like send us a comment share it with a mate give us a rating on the itunes or whatever you're listening to this on every little bit of support helps looking forward to bringing you some more stuff next week